Thank you for listening to this audio recording from the pastoral team at Church of the Redeemer, an Anglican church in Greensboro, North Carolina. If you'd like to know more about Church of the Redeemer, its ministry, or its mission, then visit us online at RedeemerGSO.org. Please be seated, and if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be in John chapter 20 today. John chapter 20, it is also on your phone. You can pull it up on your phone, or if you brought a scroll or whatever, there's lots of different ways to be able to have the, uh, the Scripture in front of you. John chapter 20. This is the day of all days, a day of rejoicing in heaven and on earth, a day in which all things change. For Jesus Christ has made atonement for the sins of the world, and He has risen victorious from the grave. Death now has no sting. Satan has been dealt a mortal blow. Let the mountains shake with the good news as all voices say, Alleluia, He is risen. But this is not a day that lives only in intellect or emotion. It's not just simply a theological day or a day of tradition or habit or dressing up nice, although many of you look very nice this morning. I'll just, I, will, I will say that as well. This is, this is, this is more than just a, a day of, of yearly rhythm. This is a day of real life, a day of real people, of a real God. And I want us to look closely today at one of Jesus' earliest disciples, Mary Magdalene, and how she experienced this day 2,000 years ago so that we can even better know how to receive and respond to the good news of the gospel today. Okay, So John chapter 20, verse 1 says this, On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, Okay, and, and so Mary Magdalene, just to be clear about who she is, Magdalene is not her last name, it just means she's from the town of Magdala. Don't be confused with, uh, with, with Jesus' mom, Mary. That's a different Mary. This Mary has been following Jesus the last few years and learning from him and serving him. We see in some of the other gospels she's been supporting his ministry financially, and her life has been changed in profound ways by him. She knew him and she loved him deeply. So Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. So get the picture in your mind. There's a stone tomb, kind of a cave carved into uh, a mountainside that it's dark and she has come. Maybe she didn't sleep at all the night before, but, but there's work to do uh, on the uh, the anointing of Jesus' body, there's, there's, and she goes to the tomb while it is still dark. While it was still dark, she saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. That's John, the author of this gospel. That's how he refers to himself in this gospel. We'll talk about that some other time. Uh, And so Peter and John, uh, she goes to them and she says, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have laid him. So here's the first thing that I want us to see this morning, is that when she went to the tomb, she did not find what she expected to find. She thought she knew exactly what was going on. She, had, she didn't even bother to go in the tomb the first time. She'd been to plenty of tombs. She had, she had been to this tomb, in fact, before now, and she expected to find something dead, something lifeless. That's, that she had no other expectation for that. On that dark and gloomy early morning, she expected to find death 
or at least a lack of life. And friends, I want to draw some direct parallels between Mary's experience that day and our experience today. And I think that if I can be so bold, this is just like many of your experiences in the past with church and the gospel. That you've been to places where the gospel has not been presented with life. Or you have experienced it in such a way that it has not been a place of truth for you. Or you have been in a place where that church has been about dead tradition rather than about real living Savior. Maybe you came this morning simply because your mom told you to or your wife told you to. It's usually a faithful woman. Maybe you came just because it's one of the two times that you have to come per year. And maybe you came expecting what you think that you always are going to find, a lack of life. And what I would say to you this morning is that where Mary went expecting something normal and something lifeless, that a new day was dawning. That although it was dark, the sun was rising. And may I be so bold to claim to you that if that's where you came in this morning, to this place, that maybe the Lord has something new in store for you as well. That maybe the truth of the empty tomb that we're going to discuss this morning is something you need to ponder in a new way. To hear the life that is in the words that you have heard before and never received. Whatever you expected to find here in this place this morning, may your expectations rise to a new level. As the great hymn says, may you ponder anew what the Almighty can do. So here, as the day is dawning, Mary runs to Peter and John, and they come and they race to the tomb. And they, so they run there, and then they kind of take turns going in and looking in, uh, and they see when they look inside, it says in verse 6, that the, that the grave clothes were there, and the, and the, the napkin, the, sort of the, the part that goes over the face, was folded up neatly by itself over on, uh, on the side. Uh, and so they looked in, they saw these things, and then they, and they do this amazing thing. They go home. They just go, huh. And they go home. Like this is, this is Peter, Peter, right? I mean, Peter, Peter, who, who Jesus said to him, you, Peter, you are the rock on this rock. I will build my church, right? There's been a rock for a long time. The, the, the movie star rock now, man, he's the second, he's, he's just copying what's come before. Peter was the rock, right? And, and this is Peter's response. Hmm. And he went home. There's this amazing drama happening around him in which all of creation is being saved, and he misses it. And may I make the claim to you again this morning, don't be like Peter and John that morning. Don't let this drama that is unfolding around you and this good news that is being proclaimed in so many ways this morning, don't just look around and go, huh, and go home, but be changed by the truth of the empty tomb of Jesus Christ. There's this, this interesting verse here about these grave clothes. Why, of all the details that could be recorded, why, why, why the grave clothes? Why talk about the grave clothes being there and then the other one folded up on the side? What's happening with that? Well, one, 
Jesus' mom taught him to make his bed when he got up in the morning. And uh, maybe she did. I don't know. But, uh, the, but here, here's the point of what's going on here. If, if, Jesus is, if, if this was grave robbers, if, if, if this was not a resurrection but grave robbers, it wasn't, it wasn't abnormal in that day for grave robbers to come in. Uh, and when they came in, they didn't want a dead body. That's not what they broke into tombs for, right? Um, and most tombs weren't like King Tut's tomb where there's just gold everywhere. So what were they after if they went in there? Well, they were after the fine linens that the body was wrapped in and that they could take those and those could be sold for profit. And these in particular were bought by a rich man named Joseph of Arimathea, who was a well-known, uh, wealthy and powerful man in the area. And so people would have known that they were in there, would have figured that these were expensive clothes. And so it would have made sense for a grave robber to break in. But if they had broken in, the body would be there and the clothes would be gone. But here... We see the clothes there, and the body is gone. It makes no sense for this to be a grave robbery. Here's, here's why these details are important. Why it's important of these grave clothes. Why it's important that Mary Magdalene was the one who came to the tomb as well. Because if you're trying to fake this, if you're trying to make this up, if you're trying to say, okay, guys, somebody stole Jesus' body. Let's come together and make up a story about how we're going to cover this. Well, they're doing an awful job because one, a woman in those days was not allowed to be a legal witness. And so what an awful person to choose as the one credible witness. I mean, the other two are like, yeah, we just looked around and went home. She's the only one that was there. You don't choose her. And why tell the story of the clothes? Look, there's all of these kind of, this, this kind of evidence that supports the fact that Jesus Christ lived. Okay, there was a man named Jesus who was crucified around 33 AD. Scholars agree on this. Okay, whether they're Christian scholars or, or not, there was a man who was crucified around 33 AD whose name was Jesus. The question is is the tomb empty? That's the question. That's the question that is before us today. Is the tomb empty? Because there was, you, ha, you cannot deny the historical Jesus. There's too much historical evidence, literary evidence, eyewitness accounts. If you say, I don't even believe that that guy lived, then you have to dismiss most of the historical figures that you have any idea uh, that existed. Julius Caesar, you can't look at him. Like There's so many, Alexander the Great. There's much more evidence for the life and living person of a man named Jesus than any of these other people. So Jesus factually was alive. Now, here's where faith comes in. Do you believe that he rose from the dead or do you not? That's what it all hinges on. That's what this is all about. And that's what you have to deal with this morning. Because if, if Jesus was crucified, was laid in a tomb, and he rotted and turned into dust, then why are we here? We're wasting our time. But if the grave clothes are there, 
and the body is gone and the resurrection truly has happened, then everything is different and nothing is the same and we must deal with that. But there can be no in-between. This cannot be half important or a little bit of an impact on your life. It's either everything that God has come and become one of us and paid the penalty for our sin and died and descended to death and rose again and has ascended to heaven where he will one day return to make all things new and in between then and now, we must come to a place of faith and belief. It's either that or nothing. But there is no in-between. The tomb is either empty or full. So John, Peter, run home, walk home. I don't know. They sleepily walked home. But not Mary. Mary, in verse 11, it says, Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. Just tears running down her face. The disciples disappointed her as well. They didn't even stay to... I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I, you just... When you read... The more you read the Bible, the more you see Jesus just going, like... <laughs> right? I mean, they didn't... Like, this woman is weeping in the dark by herself at a tomb. They're like, huh? I guess we're going to go home. You know when they got home, Peter's wife was like, well, did you help Mary at all? And he was like, I don't know. She didn't ask me to. I don't, I don't know, right? So here's Mary, the one faithful disciple there at the tomb, and she's weeping, just weeping, not knowing what to do, standing outside the tomb. And, and as she wept, it says in verse 11, she stooped to look into the tomb. And I want to point this out to you, friends. Mary, this was probably the darkest moment of her life. And she thought that she was alone. Utterly and completely alone. And maybe, for some of you, that's how you walked in here today as well. But here's what we're about to learn about Mary. Is that there are angels in front of her. And there's Jesus behind her. And the very people who can save her and comfort her and strengthen her are all around her. And she's about to see it. And I pray you will too. So she stoops and she looks in the tomb and verse 12 says, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. Let's just pause here. What? Like she looked in the tomb, she looked in the tomb and there's angels sitting there. Let's first of all deal with this question. What are the angels doing there? Like, why are, why are they there? Is that just where angels hang out? If you're looking for angels, find a tomb, right? They're just angels hanging out. Where, why are there two angels in the tomb? Well, when we see angels throughout the scriptures, they are, they are usually messengers of God. In fact, another translation of the word angel is messenger. So they, they bring a message from God. And in other gospels, these two angels do speak more than just these questions uh, as well. But those words aren't recorded here in this gospel. Here they just ask her some questions and, and they're there. Either way, I believe that these angels are here because they came to marvel as well. They knew Jesus the Son of God, before he left heaven to become one of us. 
And they too have just witnessed the greatest act of love and mercy ever conceived. 1 Peter 1 tells us that angels are eagerly watching the events of the gospel. Even the angels are in awe of what God is doing to save all of creation. They came to see. They came to marvel. They came to worship. The second part of this is, why didn't she just look in and see angels and they ask her a question? She's like, well, Hi, angels. Let me answer your question. I mean, most of the time when you see people having an encounter with an angel, they fall on their face in fear and in worship. And the angels are always telling them to stand up. Ah, stop. Don't worship me. Like this this glory that you see on me, that's just because I've been in the presence of God. It's not me. You need to worship. Get up. Get up. Don't be afraid. Get up. Here, Mary, Mary is so distraught that she doesn't even realize she's talking to angels. She probably can't even see through her tears. She's just weeping. And then having said this, she turned, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing, it says in verse 14. She saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Why not? I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was dark. It was dark outside. Um, it was dark in the tomb. Maybe the sun was coming up behind him and there was only his silhouette. Maybe he had a, like a fake mustache on, a little resurrection day joke. I don't know. But, but for whatever reason, she didn't recognize Jesus. There's, there's also, um, there's other accounts in the scripture of after Jesus's resurrection of people not recognizing him. So there's some aspect of, of his resurrected body that, that can only be seen and recognized uh, when it is revealed to us. And I pray that today, the Holy Spirit in your hearts, as the word is proclaimed, as the word is visible, as the word is sung in this place, that the Lord Jesus will be revealed to your hearts as well. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? To which I think Mary, if it was me, I think Mary is going, why is everybody asking me why I'm crying? We are standing in a tomb. And Jesus was here, and Jesus is now not here. I don't understand why there's this constant question of me weeping. But you see, she thinks she's standing in a place of death. And the people that are asking the questions know that she's actually in a place of life. That the tomb itself has been redeemed. And can we at least, look, it's okay to laugh in the scripture. Because there's just funny things that happen in the scripture. And this is funny. So, So she assumes when she sees this shadow or whatever she sees and doesn't recognize Jesus, it says in verse 15, Supposing him to be the gardener, she thought he was the yard guy. This is fantastic, right? Like if you're a yard guy, you just made a cameo appearance in the greatest moment of all of history of the universe here. She thought he was the gardener. She's like, Samwise Gamgee, how long have you been eavesdropping, right? Like she, um, she thinks that that's her assumption is that he's the gardener. 
Next time the guy comes to spray the weeds in my yard, I'm going to be like, Jesus! And he's going to go, no. And I'm going to be like, okay, no, that's all right. That's fair. I, just other people have made this mistake before. And so I didn't, want to, I didn't want to do the same. But she thinks he's the gardener and makes this mistake, or does she? Because didn't Jesus himself plant the garden? The garden of paradise. The garden of Eden the garden that is being restored by his very act of death and resurrection. Jesus is not a gardener. He is the gardener of the gardens of life. And she said to him this, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. She was confused and she was hurting and she was searching and she was scared. And maybe you can relate. Maybe there's grief and brokenness and confusion and you don't know what to do. In verse 11, 13, 15, they keep asking her why she is crying. Why is she weeping? And I would ask you the same. What is it in your heart that makes you weep, that makes you hurt, that the hurt has turned to anger and bitterness? She is so overcome by the expectation of death that it takes her a little while to see that she is actually standing in the place of life and redemption. And in the midst of her loneliness, even though she sees no way out, God appears, and the God that she has been searching for finds her. Maybe you've become so used to the death around you, to the death that you see in the media and the death that you see in interacting with other people and driving on our roads and reading our news. Perhaps you're so used to death that you're shocked by life and light. Mary is about to be shocked. May you be as well. She could not believe what was happening, couldn't even consider it. It was too crazy, too unbelievable. Jesus had taught the resurrection. She saw the grave clothes on the ground. She even saw angels. Um, and, but, but something was keeping her from believing. What is it for you? Apathy? Pride? Doubt? Pain? An, an overconfidence in your own intellect, in your own ability to control? Is it an expectation of hypocrisy or hurt? I get it. It's what's all around you. In many ways, we're standing in a tomb because sin and death are all around us in this world. But for Mary, as I pray for us, things are about to get very personal. Here's what Jesus says to her. This is what changes her heart. Takes her from the place of death and despair, and destruction, and weeping, and into a place of unexplainable joy. He says to her one word, just one word that changes her life. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary. He called her by name. He knows her. He loves her. 
in the midst of everything that he is bearing. He has just borne the sins of all people for all time, for yours and mine, everyone who's come before and everyone who will come after. He is absorbing the wrath of God. All of these things that he has just done, he has descended to the depths and preached to the souls who are in prison. I don't even know what that means, but he did that. It says it in the scripture. And now he is resurrected. And he calls her by name. He is not simply calling faceless masses of people that he doesn't know. He is calling us by name. He knows the very number of hairs that you have on your head that he calls her Mary, and it changed everything. It moved from a concept or a, a glittering hope or a habit to something that is, that is personal. And I pray that this morning you hear the Lord calling you by name. Not just as, well, I think I'm a Christian, I should probably show up on Easter. No, but by name, that he calls you by name. That he says to Mary, the undertones of this one word that he spoke to her, he didn't need to say anything more because just calling her name said, Mary, I'm here. Mary, you're not alone. Mary, I love you. Mary, I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. Mary, there's hope. Mary, death has been destroyed. Mary, sin didn't triumph. Mary. Well, you can take Mary's name and put your name there. Mary, you're not alone. Mary, I'm here. Mary, I've saved you. Mary, you may be surrounded in a place of death, but you now have been given life that can never be stolen from you. Mary. And so apparently she, she, she yells in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. She calls out to him and she grabs a hold of him. I love this image. She just grabs a hold of him. And I imagine she's still weeping. But these are no longer tears of pain and tears of distress. These are tears of joy. She is with him. And she's holding him. And I imagine he just holds her. I wonder if he weeps too. Weeps tears of joy. And he says to her this. In verse 17, he says to her, Do not cling to me. When he's saying that there, he's not saying, get off. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, yes, what you have seen here is a news that everyone must share. And so go. I, I have come, he says, to ascend to my Father, to ascend to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. He's saying, I'm bridging the gap of what was once broken by sin. I'm, I'm making that whole, that you have access to the Father again, that you, that you have been reconciled with God, that your sins are forgiven. And this isn't just for us here in this tomb. I want you to go and tell my brothers. First, he goes, uh, he asks her to tell the disciples who will then be told, to go and make disciples of all nations, telling them the death and resurrection of Christ. And so Mary went. I love this. Mary went and announced to the disciples. I love it. This, this woman who was just standing there, racked with tears and weeping and not being able to get out complete sentences, runs back into town, wakes up Peter and John again, right? <laughs> She's like, get up. They're like, what now? No, there's, I have... This is what she says. 
I have seen the Lord. And she told them all the things that he had said to her. I have seen the Lord. I have seen him. And that everything is now changed. Friends, when she has seen the Lord, when she's come to this place of faith, the Lord calls her to be a part of the church. This was never meant for us to be experienced by ourselves. There is no such thing as just my personal faith and my personal Jesus with my personal Bible, with my personal calling, with my personal ministry. You are called to be a part of the church, the people of God. You cannot, in fact, are told not to do this on your own. She, Jesus said, this isn't just for us. This is for them to go tell the church and let the church be the church and then let the church go tell the world so they can come into this group of knowers as well. This is what the church is about, is living a life for Christ, by Christ, changed by his resurrection, lived by the faith in his resurrection, living by the spirit that he gives in community with one another so that others may be brought in as well. That's what the church is about, and we see it here in the very moments after Jesus' resurrection. I have seen the Lord. That's the message. That's the message of Mary Magdalene. That would be the message of Paul. That would be the message of the disciples. I have seen the Lord. And that's the message that I bring to you this morning as well. Friends, I have seen the Lord. You have seen the Lord. You have heard him proclaimed in his own word. You will see the word visible in the sacraments. You you have been here in the presence of the people of God. I am telling you, friends, that when, if it is a question of is the tomb full, is there just dust and bones somewhere in the ancient Near East, or is uh, is there an empty tomb and a living Jesus, I say to you, I have seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord, and I pray that this day you will cling to him, that you will by faith, his feet, his clothes are available to you to grab a hold of today by faith, to be able to say, you are the one who has saved me in the midst of my loneliness and pain. You are the one who has come, and I believe in your resurrection, and all things have been made new. Like Mary, We may be so used to death that we're surprised by this light and life. Like Mary, we need to look again and ponder what the Lord may be doing. Like Mary, a new day is dawning. Like Mary, we may be confused and hurting and searching. And like Mary, we are not alone. And like Mary, it might take a little while for us to realize exactly what is happening and to believe. But like Mary, Jesus is calling us. And like Mary, we must grab him. And like Mary, we were never meant to do this alone. I have seen the Lord, friends. I have seen him at work in your lives and the lives of many. May we have confidence this day that all people need to hear the good news of the living Christ who has won victory over death. May all people bow at the name of Jesus, the conquering King. May all people join in the throng of heaven as we declare, Alleluia, He is risen. Sinners, repent and come to know the Lord and find new life. Saints, rejoice and be renewed. Worship and adore Him. For Jesus who died for our sins lives again so that we now may have life 
in him. The tomb is indeed empty, friends, and he is risen. Amen. Amen.